Hi, and welcome to Background Noises. My name is Nadia Sheikh. I'm an independent indie pop rock artist, and in this podcast, I am interviewing the unheard voices of the music industry, from promoters to venue managers, sound engineers, you name it. Everyone's been deeply affected by the consequences of the pandemic. And with this podcast, I just wanted to do my little bit to help voice their issues, their experiences, their thoughts, and to just have a really good conversation with very interesting people. Uh, so thank you for joining me, and let's get it started. It's not like it's not like Thank you once again for joining me here at Background Noises. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to ask you, how many people do you think it takes to make an arena show happen? How many days or even months in advance is a tour prepared? Just some food for thought, but I think today's guest can shine a light on this for you. An absolute powerhouse that makes world, European and UK tours happen for the likes of Stereophonics, Tom Jones and Tears for Fears. She was artist liaison, manager for the Madness Grand Slam tour. Anyways, I'll let her tell you a bit more about it. Please welcome Naomi Black. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to Background Noises. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, For those listeners who don't know what a production coordinator does, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's it's a mixed bag, but essentially it's sort of, it's being... um, the person responsible and managing anything from travel arrangements to airfare, hotels, ground transport, tour buses, trucks, drivers. I feel like I'm spewing it off because it's such a like effective and random list of things that we do. Um, it's being, in, you know, looking after the schedules for the band, the crew, um, everyone that's kind of involved and pulling all the information together so that when we go out on the road, um everything's in place and you know the crew and the band don't have to kind of worry about the secondary things they can just concentrate on what they do best which is putting the show together every night and um, putting on an amazing show for the the audience so it's kind of like being the person um almost like a hub on the road that people can come to um if they need anything sorting out if they need any help with things um and just kind of be um office support well for the band and the crew on the road um, looking after things like catering, um, dressing rooms. Um, it's all the kind of stuff that you don't see out front. It's kind of what goes behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, just being kind of like almost um, someone that everyone can go to if they've got any challenges or um, if they want to, they need something, they need help with anything on the road. It's kind of like there's not a, you wear a lot of hats if that makes sense it's not like one yeah. size fits all um you kind of got to be ready for anything that kind of pops up um day to day because things change constantly um but I suppose that's what makes it quite exciting and enjoyable is that you never know what's going to happen each day every day is different yeah I mean essentially without people like Naomi just gigs and tours just wouldn't happen 
Because like, even something as simple as like, okay, you're living on a bus. Something as simple as laundry. Someone needs yeah. to take care of those things. And I know, these are things I even forget to say because they, I, they just happen, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, it's like the other things that like people are on the road for like a month or two um, and all the things that you would do at home, you need to do on the road. So it will be that, you know, the crew come to me with their bags of laundry and we have to send it out and we have to do everything like that. And we have a runner that looks after things like that for us. And I would have to manage that time of that person going out, doing laundry, um, going out and buying bits and pieces that we need that we run out of on the road uh, managing the the sort of the float and the the money side of it but yeah it's um when you explain it to people that that, that see the show and the, the final sort of product no one kind of understands all the little tiny bits that go in um as I say like I'm I'm primarily everything sort of back of house and then obviously all the crew that put everything on stage which is absolutely phenomenal you know the lighting effects the sound like it's so many um time and effort and people that that all together that it doesn't just happen um and it's kind of like it's good to kind of explain to people that these people um are very talented very hardworking, and um without them there wouldn't be a gig um okay. so yeah well as you say it, it it takes a lot of time to prepare something so big with so many people involved yeah. in, especially if you're if you're traveling from country to country because things are completely different. I mean, you you need special permits to, to change countries. Like Switzerland yeah, is a like, nightmare to get to. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. But even driving through Switzerland, you need like specific stickers Car for your car. Name. and Yeah. yeah you've got to go through passport checks and stuff. Um, I mean, I do love that side of things. I love doing shows abroad because I find that you learn so much. Yeah, Because you do. like you'll do a tour in the UK and it's a certain way. But then when you're going from country to country, like on a European tour every country does does differently and has different rules and regulations and obviously people that worked in the industry a long time tend to be more experienced and know these things but as you're sort of like starting out in it you kind of learn it as you go and it's like oh yeah but I go back to that country I've got to make sure I've got this in place because if not then we'll get there and they might go nope you, yeah. you can't come in with that can't come with that, that equipment so um it is uh, it does come with its challenges um but it, I do find it enjoyable that makes yeah. sense I love like learning different things about different places and yeah. and how to better it next time you go there yeah that's true and how, how many months in advance is do you start preparing a tour well it depends on the tour and it depends on what involvement but for example like if I give you like an overall picture you know tours get booked like a year in advance even longer bigger tours so you've got to think about everything that goes in place so You've got the agents and the promoters, you know, routing the tour, doing the dates, working out if they want to do like three dates and then have a day off and then, you know, how, how they're going to route it around the country. So that takes time. And then once it's kind of, on, you know, it's, it's on sale and um, everything's moving, then, you know, a lot of a lot of people are involved in the creative side of it. So this is all before I got involved as a production coordinator. You know, the creatives are put in place, the budgets are put in place um and how it's all going to work I tend to um as a production coordinator freelance basis I tend to get involved a couple of months beforehand so once everything's in place in terms of dates um and locations I'll be involved in booking the hotels for um, the crew on the days off I'll be involved in um sorting out the buses the trucks um sorting out um sort of the the riders and 
start advancing it that with each of the promoters and the venues um and it's sort of a process that, that I would say for me it happened sort of a couple of months beforehand and then whilst on the road it kind of is a continuous thing of kind of getting everything like the final details confirmed you know crossing the t's dotting the i's kind of thing as you go yeah I mean for anyone listening who who's not familiar with with this kind of side of touring for example yeah. day sheets yeah those are lifesavers so, and you put them together yeah. <laughs> I mean for me it's like the running joke of was it on the day sheet so yeah I mean, because we're doing we're in a day at a venue there's so much that goes into that day people see us do that 90 minute show but we're there loading in at like you know five six seven a.m and then it takes the whole day to do everything until the show happens and then you're loading out so there is a detailed sort of itinerary um and that's one of my jobs that I put together um so that each day it, it gets sent to everyone so everybody knows what time they need to be where they need to be um and it's kind of like sort of that thing that you just kind of always go back to yeah like because there's so much information going on like what time sound check what time's catering what time is this happening um and I think without it you know there'd be there'd be more definitely more confusion um, and things change though on the day as you know like things will always change you know we might need to change a sound check or change uh, a show time based on some new information but without having that sort of um skeleton of a of a schedule I don't you know I don't know how it would all, <laughs> how yeah. it would all come together exactly so, and, yeah. and even even I mean day sheets really detailed day, day sheets even include like people's birthdays oh yeah of course it's like, like the most important information <laughs> yeah I mean you've, you've got to remember that even though like this you know what we're doing on the road is is um is a serious job in the sense that everyone's got their roles everyone's working really hard like we're all on the road together for such a long time sometimes and like if you're away from your family and friends for a month and it's your birthday you want to feel like yeah. you know a bit of love so you know we, we there is a lot of that on tour there's a lot of it's a very family it's a family vibe, you know, you're all it a really team, you're all together. So like if it is someone's birthday or something's happening, like we do like to make sure that that person's felt, you know, they're made to feel special yeah. while they're away. It's a little it's a little things. It's a little thing. It is the little things, absolutely. And I'd say that you know, as part of the job that I have, it is the little things more than anything. Yeah. The, the things that you forget happen that just always happen. Like I know a lot of my colleagues would, would agree that obviously with this um with everything that's happened recently with our industry shutting down for so many months you do miss the little things like I see little memes like give me a day sheet back or tell me where catering is yeah. or even give me <laughs> catering or you know a really bad shower like I'm you know I miss all these things yeah the showers I miss, all, <laughs> I miss rolling off a tour bus at 6am and like being half asleep trying to work out where something is that's not how I'd been told it is but you know, I miss all that. You yeah. do tend to miss things. Yeah. And we were saying obviously about all the people that are kind of like under your supervision and will rely on you to know what's going on in the day. How many people yeah. are under your supervision in like an arena tour, like the stereophonics kind arena tour? I'd say in that size tour, it could be sort of like for me, sort of 60 to 80 people. And I mean I do tend to be the person they come to to ask all the questions. So I do like to know the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's almost that like, little bit of pressure. Like I want to make sure that I know every single thing about that venue. So when someone comes to me, I can help them and I can give that information to them. Um, and it's little things that I always try and remember. Like, because 
when you work with the same artist for quite a while, there'll be a core team that you obviously know inside out. But when you then do an arena tour and there might be different companies and suppliers you, you've never met before or you've only met like once or twice. And when you come together as a new team for that tour, like I think it's important that, you know, all departments get on really well. And I try and make sure I remember everyone's names, not straight away, but like it's a bit of a like almost like for me, you know, a game to myself, like to remember everyone's names and make sure that everyone on that, that tour feels um, like they've got the support, that they can come in and ask anything they want um, or need. They might not get the answer they need or want. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's important that, that the office that I'm in, the production office, is a safe space for them to come into and, and feel like they can find out what they need to find out about the tour and that they can concentrate on their job knowing that everything else is done. Yeah, um, it's peace it, of mind. And... It can be, yeah, exactly, peace of mind. That's what I try and think of my role as, is that I'm that peace of mind so that they don't have to think about these things that are not going to make a difference to the stage. They can just concentrate on the job that they're, you know, trained to do, that they are incredible at, that they don't have to worry about all the other bits going on. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, definitely being that peace of mind for them. Yeah. And, okay, let's be honest. How does it feel to be a girl, the only girl on the tour bus? <laughs> I mean... On a tour, like it depends what tour it is, because I'd say on the last arena tour I did, there was definitely a f- few females, which is great. Um, but I have been on quite a few tours where I'm the only female on the tour bus. But I have to be honest, like I don't, I don't mind it because I feel like we're a family. If that makes sense, yeah. Like they're like my brothers or my uncles or my, you know, what I mean? yeah, that, that sure, sort of, of course. That figures. <laughs> I don't want to be ageist, um, but. They are, and like a lot of people I work with, I do get on really well with, and um, everyone's quite, you know, they're respectful. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, and I think organisation is the key part for me. Like, is making sure my bags and my luggage, I've got all the things I need in my bunk, um, and then you know, you've got your day bag, and you've got everything organised so that when you get on the bus, you know, you can. You've had a shower, you've come on, you're getting your pyjamas, you sit and have a little chill out with the crew and then you go to bed type vibe. But yeah. I can't say, like, I've, I've never really had any bad experiences. That's great. If that makes sense. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. No, you are right. It is definitely male-dominated, but... I do think a lot more women are coming to the industry is definitely welcoming. Um, I mean, for example, like my role, I do production coordinator. I must admit, a lot of coordinators that I meet and I know are female. Um, But, and obviously there's loads of different roles involved in this industry, from catering to wardrobe, light, sound. And I will be honest, I do see more and more women working in this industry. And I don't feel like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't feel like they feel any different, if that makes sense. Like we don't, you know what I mean? Like when you're on the road, male or female, as long as you're doing your job properly, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so although there is a different, there is a balance that isn't quite right yet, I don't feel like, I feel like everyone does come to the party with their skills and it's regardless of what gender they are. Do you know absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And so, it's the way it um, should be. It's, it's great yeah, to see exactly. that there's more and more and hopefully that we'll come to a point where we'll see even more. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, but back, I was going to go back to the tour bus thing. I did think snorers. That is the <laughs> only challenge on a tour bus is snorers. And I feel like at the start of the tour, 
You're going to find out who the snorers are and put them away from the people that don't snore. <laughs> if you've got like the smokers and the no smokers, you've got the, the snorers and yeah, the no snorers. snorers. And it's really important that you get that right because there's nothing worse than being near people that are really hard to snore with and trying to sleep on a bus. That's the only challenge I have on buses. <laughs> your, your, your bus um, is divided in two, isn't it? You've got like two sections. Or yeah, I-, I mean, every bus is different. But for example, I think ones that you've seen have been like there's a front sort of like you come up the stairs there's a front section of beds and then there's beds at the back yeah. so um the snores at the back <laughs> you can definitely keep people separate but yeah apart from that I, I mean I love tour busing on a tour if that makes sense like I sleep pretty well on them as well yeah um so yeah I don't really have any quibbles about that apart from the snores <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how many do you know how many countries you've visited while on tour um roughly you know have, have you seen? on one tour like I mean like last year um I think last year 2019 when the tours went on I must have gone to at least 25 countries that's mad what's at your least. favorite um I think is that that's one of my favorite things about the job is I look I love traveling I love going to new places um so my favorite I'm gonna say one of my favorites you're not gonna like because I'm gonna say Switzerland <laughs> oh I love it it's one of my favorites as well I know it's sometimes difficult to get it, but I love Switzerland so um I've been there a couple of times but only with work and uh, only on tour and like, I just think it's beautiful like the mountainous views and yeah. stuff stunning so definitely it's on my like bucket list to go back there like as I'm like not working and to yeah. explore it um and I looked I've been I've done a tour in America before just a short three-week tour but I, I loved it again like going to places like New Orleans yeah like it's I've mad. never been to New Orleans yeah oh it's crazy you love it like the, the music side of it as well it's just crazy it's just really like um yeah it's just cool a really cool place I definitely go there again yeah. um so yeah yeah I, I agree Switzerland was it was really oh. hard to get in but well not really hard it just <laughs> harder than other places but I remember um the drive from I think it was Zurich when we, yeah. when we played Milan I think it was the day yeah. after I remember we just I was just sat in, in the passenger seat and we we're just ch- chatting to my mum who was driving us around tour and we went through <laughs> this tunnel then suddenly we came out and there was like this beautiful mountain on a lake and it was yeah. like, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It was so pretty. Yeah, it's like, that's my favourite thing is when you tour around the Europe is when you get to go through the Swiss Alps. Like yeah. anytime I'm on a tour bus, no matter what time it is, I'm like, make sure somebody comes and gets me so I can go on the top um, yeah. level of the bus to look oh, yeah. out because it is like, you do get to go to some cool places. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's nice one. Um, sadly, this year, all the tours and festivals have been cancelled. Yeah. How has it affected you? How many tours or festivals did you have lined up for I mean, 2020? My whole summer just gone, cancelled completely. So obviously I was on tour in March, um, as you know, because you did, you supported a couple of our um, stereophonic shows. Um, I came off tour on, I think the 16th of March, I got home. And then literally that week we went into lockdown. Um, it was a crazy time because when you've been in on, on a tour, you're in a bubble. And like we were hearing yeah. all these things whilst in this bubble, but not really experiencing it. And then when we got home, I really it hit me, and I was like, "This isn't, you know, this is real. This is happening." Um, so since that point, I've not done any. I've not done my job essentially. I've not done any shows, any events, anything remotely to do with what my career is. Um, and that's been what seven months of yeah. work. 
And to be fair, the summer is the busiest time yeah. for people working in this industry because it's the summer, it's festivals, it's tours, it's events, it's everything. So, I mean, for people that didn't have shows, for example, in February and March, they were going by a quiet winter and then a busy summer and yeah. then there's just nothing. So for me personally, it's just meant that I've just been out of work for that whole period of time um, in that industry, yeah, so it's affected me greatly unfortunately yeah. so. how many do you do much fest uh, much festival work well it was um for me it was more working with the artists that I work with so it would have mm. been doing tours all summer um so not necessarily being the person working at the festival but going to the festivals yeah so yeah in the summer tours we go to loads of festivals and one-off events you know whether it be um a concert outdoors um at like a stately home or whether it be a race course, or whether it be a festival, um, like Leeds and Reading or Gastonbury, um, then yeah. So all those mm. that are not going ahead has meant that uh, touring with artists, we're not going to them. So yeah, yeah. The amount, the amount of sort of people involved in that as well is even greater than. Well, I wouldn't say greater, but in terms of like a festival, you've got all the infrastructure, you've got all the suppliers, you've got all the food, the toilets, the staging the catering mm. everything massive amounts of, of people involved to put that on and then again the artists that come the, the multitude of artists so you know the lineup it's not just one gig it's all these people on the lineup with all their artists um session musicians um drivers caterers production managers tour managers lighting sound everyone everything that goes in all of this is just nil yeah just nil so yeah, it's affected me, but it's affected everyone, I suppose, in our industry. Yeah. It just when you when you go to a festival, and maybe you're not so familiar with how the industry works, or or a gig, or a big gig, or yeah, or a small gig as well. But obviously, on a bigger scale, there's more people involved. But yeah. people, there's so many people involved behind the scenes to make that one thirty minute slot in a festival happen. Not only yeah. from the artists' core team, but also the actual yeah. festival. Exactly. There's so much involved, so many suppliers that I think people forget about. And I mean, I'll be honest, before I worked in this industry, I wouldn't have known. And even like my family and friends still don't, I sometimes don't think they still, like they just go to it, they pay their money, go to the gig, have a wonderful time. Um, but I mean, I think it's sometimes with every industry, you don't, unless you're in it and, and experiencing it and seeing it, you don't see behind the scenes, you just see the end product. Yeah. So it is raising awareness to say that, that just doesn't just happen. Um, that amazing thing you've gone to see or gone to watch has taken a lot of time, a lot of effort. You know, things like Glastonbury take, you know, a whole year to plan, if yeah. not longer. Um, and I feel like it's, it takes six months to even put all the infrastructure in. Yeah. So it's all those people that are there on site for six months, you know, from the yeah. site managers, you know, putting the trackway in, putting in the um, all the other infrastructure. So it's, um, yeah, definitely to anybody that's not kind of seen that side of it it's a lot of behind the scenes yeah it's quite magical to see because as you say it's like a little family and it's it's kind of like yeah it's a different world you see people that you've not seen for a while so like if you turn up to a festival with an artist the stage manager would be somebody that you've done another tour with and you haven't seen for ages and it's like coming home and it's like oh what you've been up to what you've been doing it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I miss a lot, actually. I mean, for me, the thing I miss the most is the people. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like when we do eventually get back 
to doing gigs it's going to be euphoria it's going to be like <gasps> yeah oh my god I'm happy to be here so happy to see everyone I'll never complain about this again yeah um, <laughs> and then you have to take a shower in the venue <laughs> the story yeah, changes like, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely that side of it that it is a big family and over this time like it is hard like it's not seeing people yeah like some you know a colleague um message through the day was like checking in on me and was like saying that she'd not seen you know people since March and I was like yeah I haven't either and like you know it's it's gonna yeah it's a long time to not be with around people that you used to being around and yeah yeah you've you've got a degree in leisure events management um <laughs> yes and you've been working and making a living in the industry so how do you feel when someone says you should be retraining um I mean I've I would say I'm still fairly quite new to this industry in the sense that I've been doing it for about 10 years um but it's all I've kind of known and I did do a degree in it and I did I've done a lot of like I feel like in this industry it is experienced and it is doing the job and you can't really get that anywhere else and it's like that's taken a lot of my effort and my time and to be told that I now that's not a thing we're not going to support that you need to retrain I mean, I did that online thing where you do the, you see what career to go into. Yeah. I was lawyer. Like, I haven't got seven years. I mean, yeah, I haven't got seven years yeah. to train to be a lawyer. All that money, like, it's it's hard because any training to a new career, like, if you're if you want to have a career and make a living from doing something you love, there's a lot of time and effort and money that goes into that. Yeah, and it feels like all that time and effort and money that's gone into that, we're being told scrap that, start again. And for people that are, you know, done 30, 40 years in the industry, you know, they, they haven't got the time to, to train another how many years to do a job equally as rewarding. You know, it's almost like saying, well, and if you're not going to train, go get a job, you know, a low skilled job and not and obviously not earn as much money um, and obviously do something that you, you're not enjoying. So it is. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Yeah. It's not the nicest thing to be told. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not even just, it's not even just retrainers. Obviously, I mean, I don't think an online test can tell you what you're good or bad at. (laughs) So obviously someone, apart from obviously loving your job. Yeah. I mean, being a lawyer, you need to, you need to want to go into that because it's it's a long process. But also your skills, your personal skills. Um, you need to have those skills like a lawyer might not be able to to do what you do or, or yeah. set up a stage yeah exactly the same way the people that work in this industry are skilled and like capable of doing so many things related to to audio lighting coordination like production playing like i don't know like people oh, yeah, that, that, yeah i mean they spend their entire life like you don't earn money for ages you pump money into it you spend all your savings into trying to do something and then I don't know imagine telling Bruce Springsteen to retrain and just go and do something else (laughs) I know it's absolutely it's a kick in the teeth because it's also that thing where we're being told um you know it's entertainment it's a hobby which I is the worst sort of thing to say to someone because you know or if you love your job that's what you strive for in life anyway, is to love what you do. It's not a hobby. We might be providing entertainment to people, which is what people go to do as their hobby. But what we're doing is, is a job and is providing 
um, a lot of income to this to the industry as well to the to, the, yeah. to our country as a whole, um, which you see in like the statistics that show that how financially we um, input into the economy. Um, so to be told it's a hobby, you know, like oh, just get another get another job, get another. Yeah. It is yeah, it is difficult, definitely. Yeah, and I, I kind of like always probably the people that listen to all the episodes. Um, just hear me say the same things but over lockdown yeah. people survived because of music films exactly. books painting all the creative things and and all the arts and all the entertainment they could find it's what makes life worth living exactly you know I mean? like if you can you imagine a world like i was i before covid i'd always say this imagine a world without music just imagine it you can't it's, it's unfathomable it's, it's ridiculous because it brings so much like it gets you through the tough times it gets you through the good times it gives you I, I don't know I just can't that's the thing I can never like understand is like entertainment and experiences and music are the things that make life not just going to work earning money going to bed do you know what I mean it's what yeah. we as humans we need other things in our lives so yeah it's um that's crazy that's I mean if you think crazy. of it okay if you're born you're a baby you can't go to sleep what does your mom do same to you exactly so it's more than just entertainment it's yeah there's a lot more it's communication it's yeah the art is communication like you can say so many things in a song or in a book Mm -hmm. it's knowledge it's like education yeah it's the whole arts industry like obviously we're focusing on music because that's the you know the industry uh, music touring so that's the industry I work in but there is so many other arts and you know there's theatre there's dance there's yeah. so many different sides of things that I probably don't even see that you know are being told that yeah you're not you're not what's the word you're not viable viable yeah it's the word that we hate viable yeah so. um yeah it's a bit sad times I don't, I don't... I know it is sad times, and like I'm, I'm a, I'm a constant. What's the word? Optimist, if that makes sense. Hmm. So although it is sad times, I do have like, even though I've, we've never been in a situation where the future we really do not know. Like I feel like I've got a faith that the music industry is going to be back up and running next year, next summer in full, you know, full flow. But essentially, none of us know, yeah. and it is sort of like for me, I am at the eternal optimist that I'm like it's going to be all right just get through now you know get through now and then we'll be back again if that yeah. makes sense and I think that that's the best way obviously it's 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 a we were having a little chat before we started doing this but yeah. it's like a wave and and we have ups we have downs and it's just a yeah. really weird time and we all have them even though sometimes it feels like you're the only person feeling that way but yeah, we all do and yeah I think it's just part of being human really but yeah. I am positive this is going to be... I was positive it was going to be back in November. Obviously, it's not. But... Me too. I'm honest with you. So was I. But um, yeah, we're just like, every day there's something new happening. Um, but it's, it, the thing is what it, I try and stay with is that although we can do a lot to support the industry, which we're not getting from powers above, I do think that um, we have to just keep that sort of optimism that it will be back. Because yeah. if we don't, I think that's when we'll, like, I don't know, that's when I'd lose my mind, I think. Yeah, same. Um, it, it's that thing of, um, you can't, you, I always think you can't get too down and anxious about something you can't control because there's a lot of this that is out of our control. Yeah. It's not like, 
we're saying we don't want to go to work we don't want to do our gigs and you know we don't want to be on tour we do we're just being told we can't yeah so I try and not get that make that put me down because in the day that's not my choice if that makes yeah. sense there's, there's not anything physical you can do right now to just solve the problem no. I mean there are things obviously there's so many great campaigns out there at the moment like we make events uh, we need crew and obviously backing all of that and um trying to, to you know get the support that we need definitely 100% but equally it's trying to not let it put too much pressure on yourself as a person so yeah. that we are running again next year everyone's kind of there and and, and able to do it so. yeah and the thing is, it's it's so important. It's too important for it not to come back. Like people live their whole year just just to go to a festival in summer. They look forward yeah, to exactly. it the whole year. So many people I know are like, oh, I had, this is all cancelled on me this year. I can't wait till next year. So that also makes me feel like, well, the demand is there. Like people want to do these things. Yeah, that's never going to go. Like everyone that's had their their plans cancelled this summer are like, great, next year it's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously we, I mean, I go to gigs every week. Well, I used to go to gigs every week. But um, some people, they don't, they're not avid live music goers. They don't go to small venues to see bands they don't know. Yeah. Whereas obviously people that are involved in music probably do. But yeah. they will spend that money for the birthday or Christmas and buy yeah. themselves or their family or friends or whatever a ticket to see their favorite artist and that's a memory they're going to be telling their grandchildren oh when yeah, i was like okay. 2020 my parents took me to see i don't know the foo fighters and dave Grohl pointed at me and yeah experiences is way, yeah. way more than anything you can buy exactly. you can't buy it you can't buy that memory no exactly um obviously we we've been talking about the best parts of your job and seeing the people and kind of like being that yeah that safety net for everyone on the tour uh what's the worst part of the job worst part of the job okay I'd say the worst part of the job but I don't sometimes is the lack of sleep yes <laughs> but you all get used to it like you might be loads, loading in at like 5 6 a.m doing a full day and then going to bed at like 2 a.m and when you're on the road but you kind of like there's a, another part of energy that just comes in you yeah. while you're on the road x amount of time you just hammer it you just do it so mm. lack of sleep but then you make up for it at other times of the day um and then I would say things changing a lot as much as I'd say that in this role you have to be um good with changes and you have to be adaptable to anything that's going to happen because any day something can change a flight can get cancelled a tour bus can break down um something that was going to happen at that time is now happening at this time, which then has a knock-on effect on everything else. And, yeah. you, you know, if you planned everything that day, you're like, you're going into it, I planned everything, it's all going to be amazing. And then someone just drops a, oh yeah, we now need this to happen. Right, okay. Um, so I, wasn't, I don't know if it's worse, but it's definitely the most challenging part of it when you like you feel like you've done something and it's all wonderful and it's all perfectly organised and then something gets thrown in the mix. You're like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Pull that out from somewhere. Yeah. I guess I guess you also thrive on the adrenaline as well. Yeah, you do because sometimes it's quite enjoyable. You're like, right, this has just been thrown at me. I now need to somehow work out how to get somebody to this venue by this time because you know the train's not running or the vehicle's broken down. Um, I remember one band. <laughs> um, I won't name any names, but they left. Um, they left their keys 
keys to a van, they were a support act, their their keys to the van that all their gear was in, their driver, who was was just like a, you know, like just a part-time driver, not normally with them, had gone somewhere on a night out and lost the keys. Oh my god. Night before, but parked the van at the gig, something like that. Anyway, we couldn't get their gear. We could not get their gear out of the van. So it was trying to get gear from different places and like, you know, use like a bit of a more minimalistic lineup. And it was just one of those where we were just like, oh, oh no. So anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the first in the first episode I did with this with um Mark David from the Music Venue Trust, he he told me that um he got he, he did this gig and hang out with a band and they had a few drinks whatever and then they left for the next city which was like very far away and and then suddenly like 2am he gets a phone call and he was like have you seen the, how whatever person from the from the band like the bass player yeah. or something is he there no he was like yeah yeah we're, we're like two hours into the journey we just realized he's not in the van <laughs> oh no way yeah i mean there is the thing of you can't leave anyone behind, but it does happen. Yeah. You know, when you've got so many people to look after on the road um, and, you know, you have to make sure everyone's on the bus, you do a bus call, you count everyone. I mean, that's also my biggest fear is like I'm counting everyone every day. You're always like triple checking, but that is the time. I'm just trying to think if I've ever left one behind. But anyone that I know is listening to this, yeah. they'll probably go, that's me. You left me behind. Yeah. I made it once. Maybe it was, so there was no knock-on effect because literally they, I think they ran after the bus. Oh, okay. So it was like, it was <laughs> on time. Bus, so yeah, it wasn't a challenge. But yeah, that is always the thing. It's like, you know, you've got to make sure that little things like that can completely mess up the day if you forget somebody. Yeah. Do you get the, do you give the heads up? Okay, we're ready to go. Yeah, that is one of my things. Like I tell the driver, right, yeah, we're good to go. We've got everyone. And you're like, wait, that I'm just gonna count again. You can see everyone like roll their eyes, like she's counting already twice. But you're like, I'm just making sure. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like when you go to school and your teacher is like, okay, we're leaving now. Like, pair up with your partner and you're just yeah, counting you're little heads. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I remember um, some of the sort of I hate to say it, but the older crew I work with tell me the stories when there were no mobile phones, and they would tell me a story where um, like a couple of them got got left at a um service station a, yeah exactly and the bus went off and they no one noticed so yeah. they had no way to contact them I can't yeah. remember what happened I remember being like how how did you get there and he was like oh I think they realized after x amount of time and then sent his taxis or something like that I'm just That's like mad. yeah they are they are the things that while you're on the road do make it as well like Obviously, as long as you get through the challenge, yeah. it doesn't affect too much. But they are the there are funny stories as you go along. Yeah, I'll put for anyone listening. I'm going to put the links uh, in the description for Music Venue Trust, Save Our Venues. I'll also put the one for We Make Events and Red Alert as well. Um, so you can like find out more information and you can donate or just share it. Um, because obviously sometimes if you can't donate, even if you share the information and maybe someone else just learns a bit more about it then that's great um okay before we leave I wanted to ask you three questions we've kind of already touched on some of them but I'll oh, just, okay I'll ask I'll ask them anyway um okay what is the thing from live music that makes you the happiest I think I know this one we've mentioned it before uh yeah. have I oh okay well if I, if I don't mention it tell me the one I said before okay and I'll say the we have to. okay <laughs> 
Uh, then tell us a funny anecdote, which you already have, but you can tell us another one. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you another one. I'll tell you a good one about me, actually. I'll okay. embarrass myself. And then share a positive message, which we kind of already have, but just kind of like for, ever, for all the listeners, just okay. a very positive message. Okay. So the first one was, what do I like the most about live music? Yeah. What makes you the okay. happiest? Okay. Um, so I don't always get to go out. Well, doing my job, I don't always get to go out and see the show. I always try and get out as much as I can, but normally I am doing other things um, behind the scenes. But my favourite part is when you do go out when the band or the artist goes on stage and the lights come up and you see the audience. Even saying it gives me goosebumps pills. It literally does. Like you stand there and you see everyone's faces. They can't wait for it to start. And you get that adrenaline feel like everything I've gone through today was worth it to see that. Yeah. That's oh, that's so nice. Part. That's re- that's a really nice yeah. thing. I thought you were going to say yeah. people. I thought you were going to say people. Oh, yeah. But was, I mean, in terms of the job, definitely for me, I love, I'm a people person. I love being around people. I love interaction. I love, you know, we work hard, we play hard, we're a team and we look after each other. So it is that one big family. But for me, in terms of the actual live music side of it, yeah, that I just love. That's my favourite part. It's just incredible. Yeah. Because then obviously I, I love, I mean, when I'm on the road and stuff, I don't get to see gigs as often as I would like because I'm up at them oh this is the prime time for me to go to gigs yeah (laughs) um but that's the bit you know I you know I love going to see live music myself like it's the atmosphere it's the adrenaline which you get from seeing that artist that you love walk on stage um so yeah second one was a funny anecdote funny as okay so that's like a funny story isn't it yeah I've given a couple okay (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a bad one. This is going to make me look really bad, but I'm going to tell it anyway, which was when um, me and uh, a crew member had the same bag. Um, and I think it was before we had our luggage tags on. I'm going to say that, otherwise I have no <laughs> excuse. And um, a gig got cancelled um, for whatever reason. And so we had to, I had to get everyone home. So obviously getting everyone trains and whatnot. And um, I got off, I think me and two other people got off, got dropped in a city, it might be Nottingham or somewhere, to then get a train home. And when I got dropped, I grabbed what I thought was my bag. <laughs> um, and off I, off I went, off I went home. And it wasn't until I got home that I opened the bag and I realised that none of my stuff was in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to make a few phone calls um, to the bus to find out who had my bag. Um, and it was a quite funny story because the person I was asking these questions to was the person that had my bag and oh. didn't realise. Um, and so we had a week of having each of the stuff. Um, and yeah, we couldn't swap until we then, the shows, con- like, restarted again. Um, oh. And then we met, we met at the next location and we had to do a bag swap. I was mortified. <laughs> so, Yeah. There are things like that that happen all the time, like lost, you know, lost luggage or someone taking the wrong thing. Because we're constantly on the move, they're yeah. the things that can um, are a pain. But I don't know, they're quite funny stories to tell your friends when you get home. Like, yeah, someone's got my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so that's about me. Um, and then a positive message. Um, is this a positive message in general or with people like I think for like to my colleagues and people in the industry is that we're going to be back we're going to be back like it is it is rubbish and we we miss it terribly and we miss each other and we miss what we do and we've just got to get through this tough time 
um, and do whatever you need to do to get through it. You know, look after yourselves, look after your families, um, look after your mental health. Um, and, you know, we will we'll be back again. We will, definitely. Yeah. Um, what do you think any live music lovers or fans can do to help support the music ecosystem now that they're someone who might be listening might know what the ecosystem is more like I mean I definitely say like try and get behind um there's lots of different sort of things out there like we make events um and uh various sort of like rallies that people are trying to like promote um more sort of focus on the industry so that you know, the government does listen to us that we are, we are viable and we are worth, you know, the assistance to get us through till next year. So it's supporting those um, various things that you'll see, like, you know, we were lighting up buildings and we were doing our own sort of campaigns. So try and support the campaigns that you see about, you see on social media, that you see on your Instagram, that you see on your Facebook. Anybody like, I don't know people out there, if they have friends or colleagues or people they know that work in the industry is like, chat to them, ask them how they are, because, you know, that's the kind of support and and to acknowledge that it is tough. Like, it's not like just saying, just get another job. It's not like that. That's, that's not really what these people want to hear. We want to hear that you're behind us and that you want us to survive until next year and that you think we deserve the support that we haven't got. Um, You know, it's even writing to your local MPs and saying, we need to support our local arts. You know, again, I think you touched on it. It's the small venues. It's the smaller things that are getting nothing that, um, I think we were talking about this before we, we came on is that um, tours that are being cancelled the the small venues are saying we might not be able to have the show next year because we might not survive you know we've had so little income and support that we're not going to make it so it's people out there try and support locally try and get your MPs to to push to to get these venues and to get these companies assistance um, it's kind of not just going oh well it'll just happen it's you know we need everyone's support to keep us going so that you can go to your favourite festival next year. Um, we want that more than anyone. Thank you so, so much. Is there anything you want to tell us before we leave? Um, I don't know. Shout out to anyone? <laughs> shout out to... Oh, yeah, I do, actually. Go on. <laughs> um, in these sad, crazy times, I have actually, like, um, one of my, my friends and colleagues, she's amazing, she has actually just announced uh, a festival for next year, a new brand new festival. Brilliant. Um, it's actually in our local area in Newark. Um, uh, it's called Unlocked um, and it's um, 18th, 19th June next year. Um, and I think she's so incredibly brave and pushing through everything to do this. Like they've got artists announced and they're on sale. Like it's kind of like saying we are coming back next year. So, amazing. Um, yeah, so if anyone wants to get behind that, it's in Newark in Nottinghamshire next year. And it's all, um, it's uh, a lot of like sort of 90s and classical type classics kind of thing. Like, you know, your favourite playlist sort of thing Yeah. Um, that you want to listen to. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. Oh, brilliant. So I'll, I'll get the link from that uh, for that off you and I'll, I'll put it on the description yeah. as well. So anyone, yeah. anyone that wants to check yeah. it out in the area or want to travel up to it. Uh, exactly get tickets it's just to show that in these not so positive times positive things are still coming yeah big respect for that yeah absolutely well thank you so so much for your time Naomi it's been so lovely to catch up thank you for having me on the podcast it was lovely to see you lovely to talk to you you too Um, and I hope we speak again anyway yeah we'll we'll see each other in 2021 all the festivals and gigs and we'll be like oh my god yeah (laughs) in the flesh Yeah, in the flash, exactly. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode.